Oh, is it? Okay, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Second City Church. My name is Roland Fisher. (laughs) Just kidding. On our podcast, it says Second City Church with Roland Fisher because he preaches 99% of the time. But I am happy to tell you guys that uh, Senior Pastor, Lead Pastor Roland Fisher and his wonderful family are on vacation right now. Yes, they work hard as under-shepherds of Christ, so let's pray for them for just a moment. Yeah, Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for the gift of loving leadership that wash our feet, that put up with our stubbornness and love us and pray for us. And God, we pray now that you would refresh them as they are on um, vacation, Lord. Not vacationing from you or necessarily from us, but they're, they're, they're sitting at your feet, Lord. And so we just ask that you fill them, refresh them in every way that they've poured out. Give them a month's worth of refreshment in a week, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, guys, I'm so glad that you're here uh, to worship with us at Second City Church today, whether you're in person or you're online. We're very thankful uh, that you're here. And it is a privilege for us to be able to come together uh, in person now after everything that we've been through, right, for two years. But then also, um, when we look around the world, not everybody has the, uh, the privilege to come together in person, in public, like we do. Do we all recognize that? So Sunday mornings are much more precious than we think, and so we want to thank God for the ability to even do this. But So guys, we're going to be continuing on in our um, sermon series uh, that was started a couple of weeks ago going through Exodus. Has anybody been blessed by that series so far? Yeah, I personally have. As a pastor, you get to really sit before the Lord and spend extra time in the Word. And uh, I, I've realized how, I mean, I knew it was central to Christianity, and I knew it was central to the gospel, but now I realize more than ever before how much deli- that, that act of deliverance plays in our deliverance today to see God's heart for us. And everything that Jesus did, what, that was a foreshadowing for us, and it all comes to fruition for eternal life in him. And so just to make that clear, but guys, we're going to be looking, we're doing uh, Exodus Chronicles Part 8 today, and the title of today's message is God's Wonderful Grace in the Wilderness. God's Wonderful Grace in the Wilderness. Anybody ever been through a wilderness experience? Yes, I think we all have. If you're living and you're breathing, you've definitely gone through a wilderness experience. But how many of you know that once you experience the grace of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ, that there's still a wilderness to go through. Yes. And Jesus did a great job of preparing his disciples for what was to come. And he said, I'm telling you this now, when he was telling them about hardships and persecutions and wilderness experiences that were going to come on this life, so that they would not give up. So that they would not question whether God was with them or whether God was for them. And that's what God wants us to know as we look at that wilderness experience. Because if you are following Jesus, do you know where you're following him to? You're following him all the way to the Father's house, to the kingdom of God, to heaven. There's all these different ways to describe it, but it's where he is. The new heavens, the new earth, the new Jerusalem, the city of God where righteousness dwells and reigns. And that's where we're going to. And until we are there, until Jesus comes back, we are going to be walking through the wilderness. But the church 
This is not in the notes. I got to stop doing this. This, but last thing, this is the church is the city of God in the wilderness as we journey together. Do you see that? And we meet each other's needs. We're a sign and a wonder because the Spirit of God dwells in the people of Jesus Christ as we go together and as we march in victorious triumph, as we meet each other's needs, as God meets our needs as a family in Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. I'm so full of expectation for today, you guys. So full. When we were at the prayer meeting this morning, uh, there were people praying, and I love to see what people pray without asking them to pray for stuff. And they start praying stuff that's in the message. And I'm like, oh, yes. Like, my charismatic background comes out when stuff like that happens, guys. But today is all about the word. So don't, don't let that charismatic dance scare you. Um, <laughs> everything we do here is based on what the word tells us about Jesus Christ. And that is our pleasant boundaries uh, for us. But guys, okay, we're going to pray and then we're going to do a recap. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of you. We thank you for the gift of you in your written word, and we thank you for the gift of you by your spirit, and we thank you for the gift of you in the man, Jesus Christ, the bread of life. God, we ask today that you would feed us, that you would teach us how to be fed by your word, how to partner with your spirit as you apply the word to our lives as we march all the way home together, victorious in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Okay, guys, little recap, Exodus 15. Most of Exodus 15 was a song of glorious praise. It was within the three days that God had delivered his people by a mighty hand from their slavery in Egypt. And so they rightfully spent some time celebrating and praising what God had done, bringing them out of their slavery and oppression. But then we see very quickly Three days later, they began to grumble against Moses. Three days later, guys. Ten plagues, acts of power, Red Sea splits. We come out. All of the Egyptians are dead. God says you're never going to see them again. Three days later. Three days later, they began to grumble. Um, (laughs) And then the Lord, do you guys know the Lord is merciful? He's so kind. He did not smack them down and be like, you ungrateful people. I never done this for nobody. Nobody in three days? Can we at least get 30 days here? He did not. You know what he did? What were they grumbling about? They didn't have any water. He's like, okay, they're coming into a new place, a new season of life. They don't know how to do this. He's a good dad. He's like, okay, I'm going to teach you, and I'm going to train you. And so he graciously provides what they legitimately need. He gives them water, okay? He gives them water, and he does it supernaturally to show that I'm going to be your provider. I am your provider. And do you know that the way God displays his glory to his people is through his provision? Think about the cross. What is that? That's the ultimate act of God's glory and love and mercy for us, right? What is that? That's his provision for a debt we could not pay. Sin, right? He always shows his glory through his provision. So I pray right now that God will open the eyes of his people, that we will see his provision in every way that it comes, that he may receive the glory that is due his name, okay? But so he gives them that, but then he wants to teach them. He provides, but he teaches. So what he says in verse 26, and this is the first, the Ten Commandments have not been given yet. They're on their way to Mount Sinai, right? 
the Ten Commandments have not been given, so this is the first time he tells them, okay, this is what you do now in order to walk in this freedom. And everybody say, remain free. Remain free. Mm -hmm. God wants you to remain free. So verse 26 in chapter 15 said, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. So the very first thing God tells his people as they're beginning to walk in freedom is, this is only going to work as we are in relationship. As I speak and as you listen, as you cry out and ask me for help, that's how this is going to work. It's not going to be just keeping the law, right? But my law is a tutor to you to help you. It's going to be in relationship. So anybody use GPS? Praise God for GPS. I'm glad I live in the age of GPS. Yes. Amen. Right? That's just basically GPS. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. My sheep know my voice. So he wants us to be so in tune with him. And that's what the word of God does. It reveals his heart to us. It reveals um, the sound of his voice. That way we can discern, wait a minute, is that God's voice or is that the enemy? And that's why we praise God for his laws, his statutes, and his commandments, right? That we may know his heart and his ways. Okay, moving on from there. We're going into Exodus 16, and we find the Israelites moving from day three, from grumbling, where they were in Elim, which was an oasis. So God provided water for them, and then he took them to an oasis. And, and this oasis had 12 uh, springs and 70 palm trees. Isn't that cool? How many tribes of Israel are there? Israel are there? Twelve. Right? So God took them to an oasis. They could have camped there, but God's like, nope, we're not camping there. And so what we see here, this is the first point of today's message, is God will take us to the oasis, but he's going to take us from the oasis to the wilderness. He's going to take us from the oasis to the wilderness. So God will provide times of respite for us. But you know what those times are as we're journeying all the way home? Into, into heaven, into his kingdom, those are to prepare us and equip us to go on mission with him. Can I get an amen? amen? We cannot camp and build our own little kingdom at the oasises that we find here on this journey all the way home. And so, Oasis to the Wilderness, let's just read it. Exodus 16, 1 through 3. They set out from Elim, which is the oasis, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Seen. Everybody say seen. Not sin. Seen. Seen, right? Uh, uh, which is between Elim and Sinai. So they're in this place before they get to Mount Sinai where God reveals himself. They get, they get the law. And so this is on the way. Uh, on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. So that means they're 30 days into the journey, right? They went from day three to day 30. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. You see a pattern already developing? Three days, 30 days, three days, grumble, 30 days, grumble. Um, grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, would that we had died, basically it would have been better, would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, 
for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Have you ever heard of selective memory? They were slaves for 400 years, 430 years, crying out, deliver us. But when times get bad, what do we do? You're, do not trust your memory, people. The reason we're taking communion today at the end of the service, thank you, Anthony, for leading us, because Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Remember my love for you. Remember the cross for you. Remember me. So walking with God, let's just get this down. Walking with God takes us high, right? We went through the waters, our enemies are defeated, and it takes us low. But there is grace for both. You will not remain on the mountaintop in this life, but you will be victorious because Jesus has conquered every mountain, okay? And there is grace to go through both. Whether you feel like you're in the wilderness or you're on the mountaintop or you're down in the valley today, whatever your circumstances that, okay, here's a key point too. Who led the Israelites into the wilderness? God. God. Who led Jesus into the wilderness right after he was baptized to be tested? The Holy Spirit. That's also God. Who led you into the wilderness? That's right. God led you into the wilderness for his good purposes in your life. But when we don't realize that, we will be so susceptible to grumble and to complain and to accuse the very one who laid down his life for us. It says you brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. God doesn't want you to be hungry. He wants you to be filled with him and his word. Okay. God's grace enables us to leave material blessings through oasis. Oasises. What is the plural of oasis? The oases, which are God's blessing, right? Remember how they came to the oasis? Like, okay, you need a break. You need a vacation. Okay, stay, stay here for just a little bit. We praise God for that, okay? But God's grace enables us to leave those oases, those material blessings, and comfort to go on mission with him in hope and joy in the wilderness, with hope and joy. God doesn't want you hungry. He doesn't want you sick. Remember, he says, I'm not going to bring all those diseases that I brought on those people who did not trust me and my love for them. When I said I want to bring the people out to worship me in freedom, they chose their idols. They chose their idols. They stayed there. But that's not for you. You're going to have my grace. You're going to be victorious. And you're going to have hope. And you're going to have joy all along the way. Short story, story. That, that was my accent because I'm from Durham, North Carolina. Anybody else in here have been to Durham? Woo, Alexis, yes. Okay, I came from Durham, North Carolina, and that was an oasis for me. This is my story. You know why that was an oasis? Grew up in a wonderful, yet broken, family, right, who loved me with all that they knew and had, and when I was 25 years old, after fleeing from my family, which they know this, they're, watch, they're probably watching it today. You guys know this. I left when I was 18 because I was like, I'm out of here. Um, uh, and then at the age of 25, God got a hold of me. I started going to a church. I got plugged into a men's group. Even started living with five other guys in a house. And for those two years, my world was radically altered. That was my oasis. And then God, God had Rollin tell me, like, hey, you should come to Chicago with me. And I said, no. 
I'm in my oasis. I'm getting healed up. My heart is finally finding some roots and some stable relationships. This is not the voice of God. Get away from me, Satan. Get behind me, Rollins. <laughs> One week later, I'd, but as a Christian, as somebody who's been loved with a sacrificial love, it's like, okay, God, I can't withhold anything from you. This is a man of God proven by the fruit in his life who knows the word of God, and he's asking me to go. I'll consider it because of you, Jesus. So for a week I prayed, and in that week, we're not going to talk about it now, but just sign after sign after sign, culminated on Mother's Day. Like, I'm going to go visit my mom, but yet God confirms, like, you're going to Chicago, and you're not going to see your mom for years. I'm like, Are you, uh, okay, well, I guess I'm going to Chicago. All right? And so here I am. Ju- ju- wait a minute, what's today? June 12th? Okay, uh, seven days ago, nine days ago was my 10-year anniversary. No, 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 I'm sorry, July 3rd, sorry. July 3rd will be my 10-year anniversary in Chicago. Yes. You know what God gave me here? Family. But it was a wilderness when I got here. (laughs) Yes. I had $1,000 to my name. No job. I moved here with $1,000 and no job. John's brother moved me into the apartment that a friend of a friend said, we'll let you rent it for three months for $300 a month. And then the rent goes up, and you better have roommates in there paying the full rent by then. And that was my start in real estate. <laughs> Woo! So God provided a career change for me. Because I came here to plant a church, right? God provided roommates. God provided all of you guys a family and an actual family. I met my wife who's from Puerto Rico because God called her here at the same time, and we didn't know each other until we got here. And now five years later, that was a wilderness experience. It took us five years to have a kid. But we have a 19-month-old now, and she's amazing. <laughs> So all that to say is, the wilderness will not last. Get your hopes up, like that song says, that we used to make fun of. <laughs> Get your hopes up. Uh, okay, we're going we're gonna to move on. Wilderness to wonder. God will take you from the wilderness, and while you are in the wilderness, he will work in your life to cause you to hunger and thirst by his design and to fill you with wonder that there is more than what you're experiencing. And that will ultimately end up in the bread of life, which we're going to talk about. But let's read the word. Exodus 16, 4 through 21 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. We're just going to stop right there for a second. So God, in his mercy, is a good dad. He's like, I don't want you to hunger. Even though you're grumbling, you're still learning. You're learning how to crawl. You're learning how to walk. Think of the grumble as a stumble. Think of the grumble as a stumble. Eventually, you need to grow out of that. But when you're learning how to walk with him, he's going to be like, all right, I love you, my child. And so he rains bread. And we have a picture of the bread. Is it possible to pull that up, or is it too hard out of order? Because I'm running out of time already. You know which picture I'm talking about? I think this is what came down. Oh, no. no, not that one. <laughs> <laughs> that one. Ooh. The Bible describes manna, which is pronounced in Hebrew. My Hebrew scholars can correct us in the moment. It is manu. Is that how you say it in Hebrew? Menu? 
So the manna makes a man new <laughs> with daily provision each and every day. And Krispy Kreme Donuts is from Winston-Salem, which North Carolina is the preferred land of the Lord, because I'm from there. That's why I'm a missionary in Chicago, yet I've been here 10 years, probably never leaving. Um, but anyway, it said that they were cakes, and they tasted like, like honey and oil, and so I just, I just thought maybe this might be what they're like. <laughs> that was just so you'd remember man new, to make a man new. Yeah, anyway, okay, moving on, scripture. <laughs> Where are we at? Okay. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So there's a rhythm here. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, At evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, because they forgot. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord. Remember glory and provision? Because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. Didn't rebuke him. For what are we that you grumble against up? This is a lesson as you become a leader and grow in leadership. My community group leaders here, anybody engaged in making disciples or even parenting, right? When we're grumbling against the provision of God, which includes people and leaders that love us well, guess who you're grumbling against? God. That's what it says right here. And most, yeah, for, for who are we that you grumble against us? Like, walk with Jesus. Um, and Moses said, when the Lord gives you in the evening, oh, wait a minute. What are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. We'll keep going. Then Moses said to Aaron, say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. So even when we grumble, he says, all right, come a little closer. Something's not right with our relationship. Come here, let's talk. As soon as... Uh, as soon as Aaron began to speak to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness. As leaders, when we're proclaiming God's word, or even just as ambassadors for Christ, right? We want to turn people's eyes from, what, from the grumbling to his provision, right, and his glory. They looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. But the cloud had been with them. They must have forgot the cloud, but God's renewed his vision to them, right, by coming close to them. I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel say to them at twilight or midnight, some translations say, you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. So God is sharing his identity of who he is as their provider and their healer in the wilderness again and again. He delivered them day three, day 30. Okay, this is me. I love you. You don't have to grumble. I'm working for you. And in the evening, just as he said, quail came up and covered the camp. And, it, and in the morning, dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine Krispy Kreme flake-like thing. That was ad-libbing. That was not in the scripture. Just to be clear. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? Or, man knew. Man knew. What, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. How many times has God provided provision for you in the wilderness and you didn't recognize it? What is that? And then your community group, your friends who are also walking with Jesus are like, That's what you prayed for. 
Don't you see it? That's God's provision for your life. That really encouraged me. Um, let's see. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather it, each one of you. And how, how many of us know that when the Lord provides something, he owns everything, there is a way to steward it that will benefit you and the others around you. That's right. There is a right way and there is a wrong way. There's a godly way and a fleshly way to store things. And that's what we're going to see here. Gather it, each one of you, as much as he can eat. He's generous, ain't he? You shall each take an omer, which is about two quarts, according to the number of the persons that each of you has in his tent. Think family. God's providing you enough for your family. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. God wants you to be satisfied, even in the wilderness. But it's on his provision. And Moses said to them, Let, so there was a positive, gather it as much as you want. But then there's the flip side, let no one leave any of it over till the morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning. And it bred worms, and it stank. And Moses was angry with them, because the whole camp stank, probably, right? Yeah. This is a warning for us with dead works that are religious in nature, that are apart from faith. Jesus said there will be some of us that come to him on that day, and they're going to say, Lord, Lord, I did all this great stuff. I gathered all this manna, I, you know, whatever you bring to the Lord, your good works. And he's going to say, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I do not know you. What does that mean? That means some of us are doing whatever we want to do and attaching his name to it. If it does not stink now, just wait till morning. Your dead works will stink. Some of them sooner than others. It will breed worms, and it will cause decay in your soul, in your family, in your life. But we serve a God who is merciful, and he says, repent, turn, and come. Okay, let's go. So morning by morning, for the six days, they gathered it, each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. So the manna is likened to God's word and instruction for our life. His word is eternal, never changes, right? Jesus is the same. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But how many of you know he wants to be intimately involved in every area of your life? And he wants to take his eternal word, and he wants to apply it with surgical precision to your life. A.K.A. each day, each morning when you go out to gather in the word of God, he's got a fresh word for you. It's fresh. It's for you today to apply to your situation today, to give you nutrients today. And then also, because it melted by noon, that's perfect provision for them. They're traveling. They don't want to carry all this excess anyway, right? But what did that mean? That means that their hearts were being revealed by God's instruction, because he said, you got to get it by noon. Laziness ain't going to cut it, <laughs> which, is, which is sin, right? Slothfulness, it's bad stewardship. He's like, you got to get it by noon. But think about this. If it melted by noon, how many meals were they eating a day? We know one for sure. So what that means is that this manna was so nutritious so satisfying to them that they may have gotten tired of it in the future, which we'll see. 
but it was designed to not only meet all of their needs, but to meet their needs as long as they were without manna because there was more coming in the morning. So you can wholeheartedly go to the Word of God and expect Him to give you everything you need every day. Now, I don't know if their stomachs were grumbling by the end of the day because they're like, oh man, I'm hungry again. Can I just be true with you? It's okay to be hungry. It's okay for your stomach, your spiritual stomach, your soul to It's okay to just be like, shh. There's more coming tomorrow morning. Just wait. Just wait. Don't go outside of the bounds of what God has said is holy and righteous and what is best for you. Just wait. He's going to provide for you. Okay. Let's keep going. I don't remember where I'm at either. Uh, I can reach from here. Oh, thank you. Okay, so here we go. That, that was uh, the first five days. But on the sixth day, it says they gather twice as much bread, two omers each. So instead of two quarts, they got four quarts. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, like, hey, they're getting twice as much. You said only get as much as you need and don't store it overnight because it's going to stink. It's going to rot if we do. He said to them, but this is what the Lord has commanded. He even had to remind the leaders of what he said, right? Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest. Everybody say rest. Okay. Our definition of rest does not always look the same as God's definition of rest. Okay. This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will, bake and boil what you will boil, and all that is left overlay aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid it aside till the morning as Moses commanded them, and it did not stink. There's a time to save, and there's a time to spend. Okay, When you're doing it according to God's ways, it's not hoarding, it's preparing. Some, somebody needs to hear this. There's a a spiritual difference between hoarding and saving that God wants us to know. As Moses commanded them, it did not stink, and there were no worms in it. Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. So six days you shall gather, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people went out together, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the Sabbath day. This was super convicting to me as I was reading it, thinking about what kind of work is acceptable to the Lord and what is just pointless work, right? And so here's the thing. When we are operating according to God's design in terms of stewardship, I need to stick to my notes. Simply, just take this, trusting God's word provides rest. Trusting God's word provides rest. It's a promise, even in the wilderness, even in the wilderness. 
I know a lot of you, my friends that are here, you're hard workers. You came to Chicago, or maybe you're not in Chicago, um, but you're people of excellence. That's a good thing, right? We want to use everything we have to its utmost ability to bring God glory, right? But there is a line. There is a line when it becomes obeying God and then just not trusting him for rest. I guarantee if you decide, Lord, I'm going to trust you with your daily provision for my life, and I'm going to take one day and I'm going to just mark it off the calendar each week. I'm going to mark it off so that I can rest. It will be tested. It will be tested. And it will take you faith to, 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 to take that day and not work and rest. Okay? But now we're going to bring this home. Worship team, you can, you can, you can come on up now. We're going to bring this home. The last point is God provided wonder through his provision so that they could rest. All right, let's read the last section, and then we're, then we're wrapping it up. Exodus uh, 16, uh, 22 through 35. Oh, we already read some of that? Okay, so here we go. So the people rested on the seventh day. Now the house of Israel called its name manna. It was like coriander seed. It was white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey, a.k.a. Krispy Kreme. Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer of it be kept throughout your generations. Well, wait a minute. I thought it was going to rot. I thought it was going to stink. Mm, there's a provision for the Lord that never rots, and it never stinks. It lasts so that you can remember what he's done for you so that you won't go back there. So that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, take a jar and put an omer of manna in it and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony, the ark of the testimony, to be kept. The people of Israel ate the manna 40 years. Their whole life. Their whole life. You need God's word. You need God's provision to make it all the way through this life. Until they came to a habitable land. We're looking at the spiritual foreshadowing this year. The habitable land is the kingdom of God when Christ returns. It's the heaven, right? Ultimately, God will bring you oases, oases here. But don't confuse it for the return of Jesus. Don't get too comfortable there. Remember, this is so that you can be refreshed, so that you can walk with him. Because he's proven himself as faithful. They ate the manna till they came to the border of the land of Canaan, which was the promised land that they were going to. Last scripture, and then we can sing. Jesus Christ is God's word become flesh and our bread of life. John 1.14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory provision and glory. His glory is the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And John 6, 47 through 51 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever has eternal life, I am the bread of life. This is Jesus talking. Jesus is looking back at the exit saying, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. So that wasn't the end all be all. 
Your provision here and now is not the end all be all. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone, say anyone, anyone, I know the devil. Why? Because I fight with him. I know the devil. I know he's talking to some of you right now. And it's like, everyone but you. Because A, B, C, D. Your past, your present, your future. Anyone can eat of this bread and receive eternal life except you because you're different. Lies, lies, lies. Anyone. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Hence the cross. It is the spirit who gives life. And the flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you, this is Jesus saying, everything that he told that we have in our Bible right now, I need you to make that connection. His word is the Bible, right? The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. So each and every day as we open his word in the morning to get that fresh bread, that fresh instruction he has for us that day in relationship with him, he'll help us on that day. But Jesus himself said, I gave my life so that you can make it all the way home. Okay? Heavenly Father, I pray right now as we go back into a time of worship that you would shut the mouth of the devil who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. We bind him in the name of Jesus that we have clear hearts and clear minds right now. That the gospel, the good news, that the bread of life came down as a good and perfect gift in the man Jesus Christ who lived a perfect life fully fulfilling the law of God in our place and giving his life as a sacrifice, taking the punishment that we deserved. And he said that by faith, anybody who trusts and believes, which means repents and turns from their dead works and their unbelief and trust in him, that they'll have this eternal life and they'll make it all the way home into the kingdom. Heavenly Father, we pray that that seed would take root right now, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.